Good morning. My name is Spencer Brose. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's Church, and it's a blessing to be in worship with you. As we gather in person or virtually, we gather together in spirit and truth. We gather together as the people of God. Will you pray with me as we enter into this time of preaching? Lord, make yourself known. May your spirit be present and made manifest in your word. May we hear what you would have us hear for ourselves, for our church, for our community, and for our world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning's scripture is again from Mark. We've been in Mark uh, for the most part since the beginning of the month or the beginning of the year, depending on how you look at it. We start today at verse 21. They went to Capernaum, Jesus and the disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. During my years in college, I had opportunities to work in a few different places. Uh, a couple summers and winter breaks, I worked at Fort Belvoir doing some office work. I worked for a local moving company that was owned and operated by a couple from church. And I had one summer an uh, opportunity to be a counselor at Camp High Road out in Millburg, just a, about an hour west of here. That summer, because of some personnel changes, they needed to shift some of us counselors to what areas in the camp for the summer we were working. I ended up at horse camp, mostly because I wasn't afraid of them and had ridden one a few times, or some a few times. That's where I met Lightning. Lightning was, going, was my horse for the week. He was the biggest, he was the tallest horse. I wasn't that, this big then, but I was still tall. And he was the tallest horse they had in the, in the paddock, and so he was mine. And something I learned that week about camp horses, and this is maybe true of trail horses in general, I don't know, but they are well-mannered, typically, usually on the old side, and they almost always come with baggage. Lightning had issues, is what I'm trying to say. So when you got on lightning and you held your, the reins in your hand, 
and you held him and wanted to go straight, he always went to the right. Always. So we made some adjustments to the saddle. We made some adjustments to the rein. And eventually, I had short-reined him all the way in on the left side to his head was like this, and his body was facing forward. I could have fed him an apple from the saddle. And we went straight. We got lightning in alignment. Because we weren't in alignment before that. I had an idea of where I would like to go. Held the reins in such a way as to steer him in that direction. And yet lightning had other ideas. We don't know why. I don't remember why if I ever did know why. But we got him straight. <laughs> and he got me straight. But it's not just horses that need alignment. Our cars need alignment. If you've ever, have you ever had a car tires aligned? You know, there's, it's a thing that happens. The tires are all supposed to be in the same angle, all pointing in the same direction. But if one gets off a little bit this way or off a little bit this way, it changes your ride. It could get rough. It could pull to a certain side. It doesn't respond in quite the way you expect it to because your steering wheel at center, much like the reins uh, steering lightning, was not centered. It'd be off to the left, maybe, and you're going straight. And then all that makes your tires wear unevenly and prematurely. Alignment in a vehicle is one thing. Alignment, in any case, can mean a rough ride, whether it's horses or cars or our lives. Sometimes our lives are out of alignment. Do you ever feel like things are going not quite the way you want them to, not the way you expect them to, not the way you feel like you're even leading them to? You think you're headed in a certain direction but end up veering off course. The journey seems unnecessarily rough. You're wearing down faster than you feel like you ought to. And those are the, just the ones that correlate to cars being out of alignment. There are a great number of things that are out of control, and we have far less control over things than we like to think about anyway. What we think of control is often more, more closely tied to influence, things we have influence over. This morning, we're going to talk about spiritual realignment in areas where we do have influence and maybe even some measure of control. And all of this is connected to the ongoing journey of becoming God's people, that exploration we've been doing since the beginning of the year. So let's again, let's turn back to the scripture and take a deeper look at how this informs us about alignment, spiritual alignment as followers of Jesus. We see Jesus and his disciples, he's, he's, uh, been baptized, he's been affirmed by God, he's been sent out into the wilderness, he's called some disciples, and he calls some disciples again, and now they're going off to start in earnest teaching. He's been proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, but now they are in earnest going off, he's going off to teach, and he stands in the synagogue, and he speaks as one with authority, not like the scribes. The scribes would have spoken. They would always refer to the teachers in front of them, ahead of them, 
others that they have learned things from because they would never have assumed the knowledge and the understanding of how they were interpreting the scriptures on their own. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't need to do that. When you are the word and you speak the word, it is your word that you're speaking. So Jesus spoke with authority. And then he acts with the same level of authority in responding to driving out the demons and the possessed man. He spoke with authority. Then he acted with that same level of divine authority driving the demons out of the man. His words and his actions were in alignment. They were of the same worth, of same value. And as Mark describes, he says the people were amazed. And it's not the first thing he doesn't say. He doesn't say the first thing that I would have been amazed at, at least in the reading of this, as in the driving out of demons. That's not the first thing that he says. And they were amazed. What is this? A new teaching and with authority. They began with his teaching, with his words. The level of authority that he was explaining scripture to them, revealing God's will to them. And then he commands even the unclean, unclean spirits and they obey him. He acted with the same level of authority. Jesus lived in divine alignment all the time. But I think that is so rare in our world that when we see people living in that level, and maybe not the divine level, but a, a human level version of alignment, that we too, we get amazed. I think we tend to expect more hypocrisy, perhaps, in, in a world around us. We, I don't know about you, but I tend to be pretty cynical, at least on the public stage. But I think a lot of what we experience as hypocrisy is less intentional than that. It's not necessarily, some of it is, but it's not necessarily the deliberate duplicity or insincerity that we tend to ascribe to it, but more about our will, our actions, and our words not being lined up. And as followers of Jesus, the ultimate alignment is the alignment between God's will and ours. And then aligning our actions according to our God-aligned will. And this can come through a practice called discernment. That's why today's sermon is titled, God's People Discern. Discernment leads to alignment. Again, the last few weeks, we've been exploring what it means to be God's people. The first week, we talked about that God's people remember. We remember who we are as children of God in our baptism and in our ministry. The next week, God's people listen that we are called. God calls us to, in order to send us in ministry. Last week, we looked at the, uh, that God, God's people respond and that's ground-level response stuff, agreeing to follow Jesus wherever he's heading. We don't have a direction yet of our own. We're just following. We're still figuring this out. Next week, we'll take a look at that God's people serve. 
And that's starting to put more specifics on what the following and the responding look like. But this week, in order to get to that next step, we consider that God's people discern. Discern who we are with who God is calling us to be with God's will so that our actions are in alignment with God's will and God's will for us. In the process of becoming God's people, after we consent to follow, we start to be more aware of God's activity around us. Like the first disciples, they saw Jesus at work and understood that his words and his actions matched. Not just the, not just the meaning behind them, but the authority that they held the power that was within them. It all seemed to connect. He was in perfect harmony with himself and with God, and they wouldn't know till later why that was, but they just knew that he was. And they saw it and they experienced it, and then it continued to encourage and motivate them for the coming years that they would wander or follow him throughout Israel. Part of the task of being a follower of Jesus is to learn and understand God's will. That's a, that's a forever journey, all by itself. But along the way that we also align our will to God's will. And the outgrowth of that alignment is that then our words and our actions will flow from that connection. So that we can say and mean the words that Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. Not your will, God. Not my will, God. Let me fix that. Not my will, God, but yours be done by me. Jesus said that, praying about what was coming next being the cross. And we should be able to say that Every day, even when our lives aren't at risk, as it was with Jesus. What is discernment, this process that leads towards alignment? Hosea describes it this way in chapter 14. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right, the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Hosea equates discernment and wisdom. And the subject of this wisdom are the ways of God, God's will. Paul, in the letter to the Philippians, in the very first chapter, he writes, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul connects discernment to the growth of our love for God and others and understanding what is good and what is righteous. And while knowledge is just the act of, just the state of being of knowing, wisdom is knowing and knowing how to act in response to what we know. And Jesus, again, is the ultimate example of living this way. His actions and his words were in complete alignment and in harmony with God's will. Not my will, but yours be done. 
When do we turn to a, a, maybe an intentional act of discernment? Sometimes we need to do so intentionally because something's out of sort. We recognize that things are rough. Our ride is rough like we would in our car. Things aren't going the way that we feel like they should be. Some of that's not going to, a lot of that's not going to be out of, uh, a lot of that's not going to be in our control. A lot of that's out of our control is what I was trying to say, but didn't say it quite right. But some of it is within our sphere of influence. So we, so we enter into a discernment process to figure out what's going on. You might even think of it as spiritual diagnostics. Sometimes it's not that there's something out of sorts, it's there's something's changed, something's new. There's a new opportunity, maybe a new challenge, a new resource, maybe even a, a deeper understanding of how God is calling us to service in his world for his kingdom. Sometimes we face challenges that just need clarity on how to best move forward. And that's done sometimes individually, sometimes it's done collectively, whether it's the church or a couple, a family, or an organization that puts God at the center. And how do we discern? How do we enter into the process of alignment, alignment, aligning our will with God's will and then our actions with that God-aligned will? It's very basic level. It takes three things. Quality time with ourselves. If we don't know what's going on in here, we can't help move or shift ourselves to where God is. I was at a meeting with clergy. It's been three or four years ago now. And the topic of conversation was, how much time do you have to think? How much time do you have, do you take, just to think, just to sit with yourself and think? It wasn't, and we were talking about leadership matters at the time, but ask yourself, how much time do I give myself to think? We have apps now for mindfulness. This is what that is. <laughs> it's ironic that the thing that often leads us away from mindfulness now, it gives us tools to, in order to be mindful, but that's a whole other subject. But how much time do you spend with yourself just thinking about what's going on? Running your own individual first-level diagnostics. That can take on many forms. Spending quality time with God. That's returning to those spiritual disciplines that continue to speak to us and bring us close to God. It is, it is the preacher's list all the things, and plus the things that I either don't take time to say or things that I may not even be aware of. It is praying. It is studying uh, scripture. It is spending time in, in study with others. And on and on and on. And third is spending time in community. Gathering with others who are also on this journey of faith. That's essential to our alignment as followers of Jesus. We can steer ourselves off course and somebody else goes, hey, you're starting to ride the 
rumble strip there a little bit. You may not have noticed. Or we have opportunity to help others. Or we just help encourage each other along the way. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right where you need to be. And that's worship. And that's, again, study. That's being in some group of, a smaller group of folks that, that you tend to one another's spiritual needs, you look out for each other, and you care for one another. I found this article written by uh, Madison Myers. She's a graduate of University of Tennessee, and this was on the, our denominations website, actually. And she said, five powerful practices to reclaim your spiritual flow. I like that phrase. Feels like alignment to me. And these, not, these aren't all groundbreaking or earth-shattering, but these are part of that list. First thing she puts is to journal, just to write, sit, write stuff down. Write it down. Pray and write as you pray. Think, think. And write it down, what comes to mind. Read scripture, write what jumps out at you. Journal. It's not necessarily a diary, but it's a time to reflect. Reading the Psalms. There are 150 Psalms. There's a Psalm for almost every human experience. And you don't even have to find the one that you're feeling in that moment. But if you, if you read one a day, and then you get to the end, you just start back over. You can go through twice in a year and have 50 more to, or whatever, 65 more to get to. This year, 66 more, by the way. And there are different types of prayer. Sometimes people say prayer, just in general, is just too much. Just the, just the idea of talking with God, and then it's all the things come out. You can focus your prayer around specific things, even if it's just the Lord's Prayer. Last week in our Disciple Path uh, study group that meets after the second service, we were talking about different forms of prayer that people have found to be meaningful for them. And one of the classmates said that pausing after each phrase of the Lord's Prayer and just considering what that means, maybe that's, maybe that's enough or a first step. And this person, she enjoys going out into creation, getting outside. Spending time with God's world. And lastly, she writes, read a devotional. Sometimes we don't have words. Sometimes we're, we need to be steered or just need somebody else's guidance. So find a devotional that speaks to you. These are all, in their own way, spiritual disciplines. But alignment, spiritual alignment involves self-awareness, openness to God's activity, and then willingness to follow wherever God leads you. That's probably the hardest part, especially when it's a drastic change off course. But sometimes, most of the time, we just need a little nudge here and there. But in all of it, when we are intentional about becoming God's people, about being on the journey of faith, this lifelong pursuit, we're always doing an alignment check. Because we're always doing those things that keep us close to God and to, to God's will. And then, and then prayerfully and intentionally aligning our actions and our will to God's will. And I will say, 
Sometimes we've traveled so long out of alignment that we've gotten used to it. And we think we're doing all right. You've gotten used to the ride jumping at you. Sometimes we need to, but well, with that, we still, every time, if, and, if you, and if you're not thinking that you need, need to do any intentional alignment or at least a diagnostic check, you, you do. We all do. We all do. All the time. Checking in with God and where we are in our faith journey. And there are different occasions throughout our lives that call us into a deeper level discernment. Something's changed, something's new, or something's really, really out of sorts. And just do those things more intentionally, more disciplined, put them on a schedule, and find somebody to walk with you. Because we're not meant to be in this journey on our own. Whether it's a trusted friend, a mentor, or a leader. And then as we spend time with ourselves and with God, we become more open to his correction, his affirmation, and his redirection. So that we align our wills to his. So that when we have the occasion to utter the phrase, not my will but yours be done, we mean it. Amen.